I'm Mickey Morgan. I use they them pronouns and I'm a settler. To begin, I want to say that Quachelia was one of our first Solon sisters. She was a Squamish girl, 12 years old, and she was wed in an arranged marriage to Gassy Jack Dayton, who was 40, a raging drunk and the person whom the area we will be talking about today, Gastown, is named after. This area, before colonial development and forced removal of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations from here, was a beautiful grove of maple trees. And so that's what the area was called, Leklake in Squamish language. At 15, Quichelia left Jack. Tweetetanat Weiss puts it this way. She left him because of all the boozing and the wild lifestyle of her husband, which was, by her view, the very element that would destroy her people and her culture. Young Madeline knew then what our people know today, that our culture and our spirituality can neither be bought nor sold. So, do you want to maybe introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. So, my name is Sophia Boutsakis, and I'm a fourth-year student at Emily Carr. Um, I'm a visual arts major, and my practice kind of primarily um, pertains to painting and print media, and I like to do some photography, um, and right now I've been really enjoying making beaded bags <laughs> during our pandemic I've been getting into sort of like not fine art things craftier things and um, thinking about what is considered craft and why and sort of lowbrow art versus highbrow art and what um, is institutionally valued by uh, Emily Carr as a university um, but yeah, so in, jeez, uh, maybe it was April? Um, sometime in the spring, very near the beginning of the pandemic, I was asked to participate in um, pretty much a beautification project for Gastown. Uh, and a bunch of artists were asked to do murals. And I believe it was like the Gastown Betterment Business Betterment Bureau or something. Let me grab. Yeah, Gastown Business Improvement Society. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, so it was actually, it was Mia from school. She was doing a mural and was like, Sophia, I would really love for you to come do the one that's next to me. Like, um, I would like to have company while I'm down there. I think you'd be, I mean, you should certainly could do it. I think you should do it. Um, and I kind of was like, at that point, not seeing anybody outside of like people in my house. I wasn't going anywhere. Um, I was like, oh, I'm kind of nervous to even leave the house. Um, so I told her no, like many times. And then finally she convinced me because I thought, you know what? She's asked other people and they've said no. Um, I can understand her not really wanting to be down there alone. It'd be better to kind of work in a pair. Um, so we, I went down and I primed the board. Like I just used some crappy house paint that we had kicking around. Um, 
and we kind of put a little perimeter around where we were working just to kind of enforce social distancing. Um, and I had my mask on and Mia had her mask on while we were working. We had gloves and everything. So we took every precaution necessary to um, ensure our safety and everybody else's safety. Uh, so in total, I think I spent three days on it. Um, the woman organizing it uh, was the woman who owns Kim's Prints and Framing, I guess, down there. Um, so we coordinated with her. So both so, of the murals, were they both for the same business? Same building, but different business. Um, mine was for Oak and Ford. Or Frank and Oak, sorry. Frank and Oak. And Mia's was... I don't remember the name of her business, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't the same one. Uh, and there were one like across this people working across the street and next to us and stuff. Um, and there was kind of I think there's like a security like I don't know there's security in Gastown and they just kind of patrol the area. They're not police, but they're I don't really know. Kim was kind of just like you know what if you have any problems. Uh, contact these people, um, just make sure you have their number, uh, and so I was like, okay, I definitely was leery to begin with, and then I was like, you know what, Sophia, you're not doing anything, make a couple bucks, and, you know, yeah, I was, um, just more so interested in supporting Mia, and she really went above and beyond with her, like, photorealistic portrait of two kids and it was beautiful and she spent like way more time on it than I did. Um, I was racking my brain about like, what did I want to even paint? How did I want to tackle this? It had to have something to do with the pandemic and they wanted some kind of positive imagery or slogan. Um, so I thought, what's, um, oh, Irma did one as well. I think she did too. And her first one was something really beautiful. It was like, um, uh, what's the scepter in, like, it's used in medical imagery. It's like a scepter of some Greek. Um, With the two snakes? Like, oh, that's, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's some kind of neutral imagery that's kind of graphic and, you know, relevant. But it's like, doesn't really... Um, it's a symbol that kind of is universal almost. It um, so I was kind of looking for something similar. So I settled on the evil eye, which is very common in Greece, but also a lot of other um, places around the world. And it's like, it's not always called the curse of the evil eye, but there's kind of a similar idea in a lot of cultures. Um, so I thought that's kind of, it's meant to sort of provide protection and sort of I wanted it to kind of cast like a healing spell and like I didn't want to include any slogans like stay home stay safe um wash your hands and social distance right like I wanted to be really I wanted it to be appropriate for the um the area and I wanted to just leave it as the evil eye icon and then Kim was kind of like nah I think it needs something more like nobody knows what it is it's kind of an, a circle with three colors in it, like, um, which I thought it would kind of be more recognizable. I thought it was more common knowledge than maybe it was. She obviously didn't recognize it. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of wanted to avoid any slogan at all. And then it came to, uh, you kind of have to. And so I, I settled on 
um, protect um, and then hashtag our gas town, which was a hashtag that was supposed to be included in the thing. It was very like I was following kind of their rules and that's why I didn't really want any promotion for it because I was like, I don't really know if this is something I want my name attached to because I don't really know how I feel about it to begin with. I was like, I don't really need to be doing this. But I'll go down and I'll support me and I'm sure it'll be fine and I'll I'll regret it. Maybe I was like, I was like, what if I regret not doing it? If I do it, will I regret it? I don't know. We'll see. Um, well, now we have an opportunity to talk about it and that's something too. Which I'm, yeah, really glad about because I think some, I saw on some Instagram page, some like Vancouver specific meme page or something, them kind of being like, are you fucking kidding me? Like this, those fucking murals down there. And I was like, that's what I was thinking. Um, and then a friend of mine messaged this account was kind of like, well, you know, we got paid for it and like arts, like always underfunded. So it was an opportunity for some artists to make a couple bucks. Like I don't the problem with it um and then the account was kind of like oh yeah I hadn't really thought of that thanks for like just having a conversation with me about it um but my biggest like thing was all of the murals down there that were like enforcing things that really had not like I mean were kind of not appropriate for the area right like what if we kind of go back to the idea of murals in general like what it yeah what are they trying to do by having these murals there you know like what what does it mean my questions like are to turn a critical eye to this is like what does it mean that they want these young artists who are not people who are are like super you know well along in our career a lot of these times um Mm -hmm. and that we are also the ones who are made to like gentrify this place that is like we not we might not be the developers but we are part of making it look less violent you Mm know um yeah it was marketed for sure as like a beautification project like oh it's so depressing to have all these businesses boarded up so let's kind of turn it into somewhat of a positive. It was meant to be like a drive-by gallery almost. Like they think we're encouraging you to drive by or walk by at like a safe distance from the artist working. And then after the fact, once everybody's done their project, you know, have it kind of be like an attraction almost. Um, but I hadn't even thought of like the gentrification until after the fact like there were so many things that I kept thinking about um so I'm glad to be having this conversation and kind of unpacking a lot of those feelings I had and maybe we can kind of really distill some critique about it um I don't have much knowledge of like some of the uh issues regarding like the Vancouver mural fest I have heard like that there are critiques of it but I don't really know what those are and I haven't done any research so I just want to read directly based on looking back at my research the Mount Pleasant Business Improvement Association is a significant organizing partner for the festival similar to the Gastown one they're self-reported to be 70% local and 30% not which includes internationally renowned artists to quote 
raise Vancouver's profile internationally. But how much of this is connected to speculative markets? To making the area look good and therefore marketable and therefore profitable for those who own property and business in the area. Making things look less seedy, urban redevelopment, gentrification, urban beautification. All of these different words that really just mean um, trying to change the culture uh, mm -hmm. that they're seeing and often trying to change the culture for people who aren't actually the ones who live there. Yeah. Or like by people who aren't actually the ones that live there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. It was definitely a... Like, I mean, I don't think... I'm certainly not a Gastown resident. I live in the North Shore. Um, most of the people I was working around don't live in Gastown. It wasn't like they the residents of the building were invited to come down and, like, do something for their business underneath where they live or, you know... It was kind of a word of mouth thing. If you knew someone who was doing one, you could message this business and sort of inquire about doing one as well. Um, I don't think there was kind of an open call to artists. I think it was kind of, yeah, word of I mouth. I think there thing, was you know. a, an open call actually, but you did have was to there? Okay. know, you had to know a business. You had to like say a business already. So you had to make that connection. Yeah, I would have not known anything about it if um, Mia hadn't, like, invited me to do the one next to her, and yeah, and uh, they've kept some of them, I'm sure you know that they've put a few of them up on the chain link fence, like, right in front of the um, the train tracks at Waterfront there. Um, mine is not there. I don't really think you liked it. <laughs> Maybe they had no idea what the evil eye was. I just... And I used spray paint. I think I bought like two cans of spray paint from um, Canadian Tire. I like, whereas Mia was using her like acrylic paint that, you know, she paid for and like would normally use for her paintings and stuff. I was kind of not willing to spend very much time. I was like, if I want to pay myself minimum wage for this, I don't want to be spending more than a couple days, right? Um, yeah, so I'm kind of trying to parse out our role in this you know like um our role as students but also our role as like Emily Carr as an institution like what is what are we doing in this um project of gentrification like are we complicit by just going to the school and like if so how can we disrupt that um mm. and I'm also like that's like one train of thought and like whichever train of thought gets you going whatever talk about it um but I'm also think and, it, and this is kind of connected of like we don't necessarily also have a choice in what we are presenting once we're a part of this it's like you could have I mean I suppose looking back you could have very well just been like no I'm not gonna add the words um mm -hmm. but yeah I, I definitely didn't really fire on it and then 
I was trying to come up with, like, I mean, I asked a lot of people for suggestions, and then I kind of wish I hadn't even made it that big, and I'm sure if you reached out to this person to ask her what the sort of um, specifications of the project needed to be, she would have been like, oh, I never asked her to make it that big, and and of course it's taken on new meaning to me now looking back on it and I was and I hadn't even thought of like the boards protecting the businesses I meant it to explain the evil eye as protection for the community against the literally just against the pandemic and kind of like please germs fuck off like um an illness and everything um but yeah it fully just to someone who doesn't know what that e what that evil eye means, looks like, oh, protect our gas town, let's board it all up and protect the businesses inside and not the people in the within the communities because I <laughs> it was kind of fucking crazy to like see these the people who live in Gas Town and them going up to their like multi-million dollar penthouses upstairs and to like spend full days there and experience just the complete disparity and like wealth is was a crazy experience um yeah and just like I still Ga didn't know how I felt about the project like <laughs> for sure and Gaston is one of those places where like the um the line between that wealth disparity is like so sharp like mm -hmm. Um, the downtown east side, essentially, just, like, once you go down, I forget what street it is, but it's, once you go down to, like, Pigeon Park, once you kind of pass through that area that's been under construction forever, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, like, folks are in a completely different economic bracket and, like, have a completely different relationship to, um the communities that are coming in as tourists and the communities that are like locals. Um, mm -hmm. There's also this context of the redevelopment in 1972 of Gastown to make it this kind of fake historic looking aesthetic. It's what we see now, actually that iconic steam clock and the big statue of gassy Jack which was rightfully covered in paint this summer, and all of that laid brick road. It was supposed to be really accessible, utopian, every man's land kind of thing, but it did the opposite. It made the divide between rich and poor even sharper. It expanded the affluence associated with downtown core and West End, which are right next door. How many people even know that Gastown is in East Van? And it's another example of how urban redevelopment does not benefit houseless and low-income folks because they were simply pushed a block over to the area now called Downtown East Side, which is on the 100 block of East Hastings. Again, that area itself only needed that gentrification facelift because of what was established in Gassy Jack's colonial industrial era. Poverty was compounded when the logging industry and associated railway jobs and all the money to buy from bars and sex workers who were the local business people that 
went away when the railway jobs left. So the local economy collapsed too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just kind of like there was like a, a gentleman down there while we were working who was going to do a documentary on the murals. Um, and I think he like mic'd up me and she said a few things about it and I declined um, to participate because yeah I mean uh, another student like um, Abby Taylor did the one of Dr. Bonnie Henry uh, who that has like had a bunch of publicity and she's stood in front of it for like photo ops and stuff and um, like that one was I think one of the first ones and that was kind of very cool and it was like Dr. Bonnie Henry became sort of like this celebrity figure Vancouver specific like sort of you know she's the person we were watching every day on the news and um thought that was really timely and it was just like a portrait of her uh but I liked kind of the idea of those ones and then I was kind of like well I really don't know if I have anything very important to add to this so uh yeah that I still don't know how I feel about what I did. I wish I hadn't added the words and stuff. I just think it's also interesting um, what happens with public public arts and, and murals. Um, and I'm using public art as a, as a more specific, rather than like social practice art, I mean public art as in, as in one that lives within a space that is supposed to be like supposedly public. Um, we all know that is a also a... Um, a loaded term because you know if it was truly public the folks at Crab Park wouldn't be asked to leave every morning you know mm-hmm. um, and, and the folks that are at Crab Park that were at Oppenheimer down the street from us wouldn't have been asked to leave from there if it was truly a public space you know yeah um it's like, it's also this issue of, I think, like, translation, and of, like, um, like, where our, um, our messages can be appropriated, like, regardless of our intent, uh, is Mm -hmm. something that I'm starting to, like, come upon over and over again, especially as an art student, which is something that comes to mind with, like, your evil eye, because it's, like, your intent was actually, like, so different than I think how, it it was perceived and I, I think a lot of well thinking about being a student and an artist kind of very early career right like still in art school I think a lot of a lot of the muralists were just happy to have any opportunity and like oh my gosh we're actually getting paid for our work oh my god we're getting a hundred bucks like that's incredible I was like it really made me think of you know ethics of labor and how how worth it is a project for like is exposure enough or like just like putting Instagram handle on the building is that like publicity is that worth your time um I don't think I would have done it if I hadn't been compensated monetarily like I just didn't want to I mean at what point, especially during a pandemic, does the risk outweigh the like the benefit? Um, 
I think a lot of students are just like happy to have their name out there and and receive any kind of exposure and um I kind of have always been of the mind that like you should be paid for your work uh you shouldn't have to work for free um the art is not like a it's a it's a it's a luxury for sure and it's um it's hard for artists to be like compensated fairly a lot of the time and especially if you're a young young if you're an art student and yeah that was another thing a lot of like peers of mine were like oh what you're getting paid and I was like oh yeah I hope you are too like and then once they inquired they're like oh yeah here's 100 bucks for you but yeah but it's also like um big a art versus little a art Mm-hmm. You know, like, big A art, that is a luxury. That is something that, you know, Bob Rennie <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. is very, like, rolling in, you know, something that enables someone to put something on their assets assets, and, and that kind of thing, and it enables a lot of, like, money laundering and that. Um, but little A art, like, just being creative, that is, I think, like, a fundamental thing and we're so caught up in this like capitalist mindset that we forget that everybody needs a little creativity um Mm -hmm. and also that it's on the other side of things I'm trying to be more generous with my little a art um because I feel like we don't actually get enough of it and at least in my position as a student I have the ability to do that um and and in that way I'm able also to do it in a way that I care about um and that speaks Mm -hmm. to the things that I really love um rather than you know having to hop for the next paycheck um which Mm -hmm. is the case for like so many so many struggling artists in Vancouver like there's this sense of like either awful precarity or like huge success as, as a yeah, creative in sure. Vancouver. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I just, like, have never really considered, um, like, I've never been interested in being a muralist. I think, I think the ones that are done well are incredible, and they're super labor-intensive, and, um, but I just don't see that on my sort of career trajectory, uh, so I think maybe that's why I wasn't too, ex- like, excited about it like oh my gosh what a great opportunity um and then I feel guilty about that because I'm like what if I couldn't I should I have just declined and then maybe someone else would have had that opportunity that like maybe valued it more um I also would be interested to know what the business thought of it because I had no communication with the business at all um it was just Kim's prints and stuff um so I didn't know like I hadn't even been in that store before. Don't know if they liked it. Don't know if it was what they wanted. Don't know like if the businesses all felt pressured to participate because you know someone else was next door was participating and yet they're like about to shutter and close anyways. Like a lot of things I'm interested in, like just the logistics of it. I, and I didn't even know that there was such a thing as what what is it the the Gas Town Business Improvement Society. No, that existed. Is there one for, is there a Mount Pleasant? 
um, yep. business improvement society like is there There's... one for everything who is it part of our municipal government like what is it is it a independent like if you're a business there do you have to are you obligated to participate do you have to pay like membership fee what is it and it's again like um we come to this question again of like who does that lack of transparency benefit certainly not us and i don't even know if we ever besides in these kind of conversations get to that question of like is it benefiting us is it in, in like not not in a monetary way but like who we who does it exist to serve yeah for sure for sure um but like where are where if you know on like the streets like where is or was the the mural on those boards that you painted yes it was here. I think 316 West Cordova Street. Okay, so it's right on that, like right along the railway line, actually. It's, it's like yeah, kind that of next street just... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. So we'll put that on the map there. Um, and so you'll be on the map, too. Okay. Yeah, this has been a really good conversation about, like, things like I won't have a chance to take this class but thank you for sharing what what you've been learning so far and um it's cool to I mean it's cool to be part of your research so thank you for including me and also kind of been nice to have a conversation about things that have kind of been floating around in my head um and some it's nice to have a conversation with someone who knows what they're talking about because I definitely don't <laughs> feel like I do so it's nice to have some of those things kind of affirmed or or debunked um mm -hmm. or even just explained well we need to we need to have these conversations more not just you and mm -hmm. me but just like in general that's that's what I'm going for you know yeah and I implore you to support the wonderful organizations and initiatives keeping dispossessed and otherwise marginalized people in the downtown east side alive. KT Tent City, Overdose Prevention Society, Battered Women's Support Services, Carnegie Community Action Project, and so, so, so many more. Thank you for listening. Please email me at mappingeastvan at gmail.com if you have any questions or want to share some stories you know about East Van. This episode is also part of a series on digital and creative knowledge sharing, which is a series put out by Emily Carr University, so I'll link that in the description below. I also really wanted to thank Sylvia Rath for the music in this episode. I'll put a link too. This is from their album, Really Big Picture. Solidarity forever and bye for now.